These are the trauma healing learnings based on one mom's journal entries recorded in real time from a catastrophic event with her son that you've been listening to in the blink of an eye story. Life can change in the blink of an eye. Hello, dear ones. Have you ever noticed how some people move through their lives, whether it's at work, out on the street, or in community spaces, and seem to take real pleasure in connecting with others? Have you felt the impacts of a time when a relative stranger, or perhaps a care provider in a hospital setting, has seemed to take an interest in you, enough to listen? And when they ask, how are you? They convey to you that they honestly care about the answer. Well, in SCI rehabilitation, this spark of caring, whether it comes naturally to a nurse or is a dedicated practice, can mean the world of difference to a patient's well-being. And we all understand that greater well-being leads to healing in mind, soul, and body. Today, we speak with trauma nurse Rebecca McWalters, who shares with us her secret for cultivating a caring ethic to patients in hospitals, particularly spinal cord injured young men and women. Stay tuned. You will not want to miss this one. Did you know our podcast sponsor, the 501c3 nonprofit I See That? The Integrative Center for Trauma Healing, Advocacy, and Transformation is now the Blink of an Eye nonprofit. And they have a launch campaign to raise funds so they can go bedside with SCI families in crisis. You can donate at www.blinkofaneye.org for the HEAL team, bringing hope, empowerment, advocacy, and logistical navigation tips with love to SCI families in crisis. If you are interested in volunteering or becoming part of the Blink of an Eye cutting-edge relational approaches to trauma healing, medical navigation, and emotional and spiritual support for SCI families in crisis, fill out an information form at www.blinkofaneye.org. Follow Blink of an Eye on Instagram and Facebook at Blink of an Eye Nonprofit. Links to these platforms will be in the show notes. Welcome to Season 3, Trauma Healing Learning 25, Wholehearted Patient Care, with trauma nurse Rebecca McWalters. Hello, Blink of an Eye family. Welcome back to the Trauma Healing Learnings, where we expand our relational mindset and our ability to care for ourselves and others by connecting with healing practitioners and wisdom holders across a range of healing modalities and perspectives. I always draw from the themes and questions that come up in the accompanying story episodes, where I revisit my writings written in real time during the crisis days and months of Archer's injury. I believe that the learnings and healing found in those writings are still unfolding for me, and not just for me, but for so many of you too. I love to hear from you about your life experiences. Thank you for reaching out at louise at blinkofaneyepodcast.com. And if you are listening right now, whether for the first time or the hundredth, please consider reaching out to us about why you listen in. It inspires us too. To recap the last story episode, it was in late October of 2015 that Archer had been complaining of chest pain. His lead rehabilitation doctor did not pick up on these cues, passing off his grimaces to weakness, perhaps due to arrogance, perhaps due 
to their own blind spot of what a young man, paralyzed from the neck down fighting for his life to breathe, was still capable of being aware of and reporting. A different kind of internal physical sensation. Well, one of Archer's nurses did listen and took it at face value as something to follow up on. That nurse was Rebecca McWalters, and she made a lasting impression on our family. And not just for that moment, but for her overall presence and heartfelt attention to Archer as a human being in incredibly difficult circumstances. After working at the Shepherd Center for 14 years as a trauma nurse, followed by some time spent in the field of education, Rebecca moved on to become the director of nursing for Barron Home Group in the Atlanta metropolitan region in Georgia, where she cares for many spinal cord injured individuals, many of whom were patients at the Shepherd Center. Throughout all of her work, you will hear Rebecca speak about listening not only to the patient, but listening to a spiritual voice in her life and how that has led her to gain tremendous insight into the workings of medical systems and the experiences of spinal cord injured teenagers and their families. So settle in. Take a deep breath and soften your heart so you might open up to deeper presence and listen to the callings in your own life or career path. Here we go. I'm wondering if we might start with your sharing with our listeners a bit about your work trajectory and also what you love about your work as a nurse. I became a nurse in my late 30s. I was a stay-at-home mom and knew that I needed something to do when my kids grew up. So nursing, I took care of all the kids in the neighborhood, had foster children in my home. And so nurturing people is just what I've always done. Um, So went to nursing school, was actually going to be a midwife. That's what I wanted to do. And then the Lord really just led me to Shepherd. Um, Didn't know anything about Shepherd, didn't know anything about rehab. At nursing school, they don't really teach a whole lot about rehab, passive range of motion. That's probably about all you're going to get. But the Lord led me to Shepherd, and I was there for 14 years and loved every single bit of it. Loved it. And um, where I am today is because of that journey at Shepherd. I'm able to be on the outside of Shepherd now helping former Shepherd patients live as normal a life as possible outside of Shepherd. And that's been very exciting and and important. This knowing of oneself, as you know yourself as a nurturing person, Mm -hmm. and and also listening to the Lord call and just how you found your way to shepherd. Can we just pause on that? What does that mean when you, the Lord led you to shepherd? I mean, I certainly have a sense of that, but what might What might it mean so that others who are listening in might resonate with that if they felt that same leading or those who might not be familiar with that? So all during my nursing school career, I was um, very set on being a midwife. I wanted to be exactly like the midwife that delivered my third child, my baby girl. She was amazing, nurturing, kind gentle and women need that during the time of delivery and you know uh, the whole nine months to delivery and she was that for me she was amazing and I wanted to be just like her 
So during nursing school, uh, my labor and delivery time did not turn out exactly the way that I thought it should. I didn't get any time in labor and delivery, really, for whatever reason. I don't remember. It doesn't really matter. But then later on in nursing school, it came about that um, Shepard had reached out to University of West Georgia and um, allowed five nurses to go to Shepard to do their nurse in, um, internship. And so I went and it was amazing. It really changed my outlook on rehab. Rehab doesn't always get a really good thumbs up. It's not something that people automatically want to do, especially nursing. I don't think it's something you automatically want to do. But Shepherd is different. Shepherd is amazing. Shepherd has their own standards. It has a life of its own. And so I was there and learning and meeting people, meeting nurses. And the management came up to me several times and asked me if I would like to be hired. And I said, no, I'm going to be a midwife. And um, <laughs> so the Lord grabbed a hold of me one night and said, Rebecca, basically, this is what you're going to do. This is where you belong. And I started boohooing and crying and saying, okay, okay. So the very next day was a conference at the Shepherd Center. And um, one of the management came up to me and they said, are you ready to, to sign on? And I said, actually, yes, I'm ready to sign on. And from then on, it was 14 years of amazing, uh, blessed beyond measure through my journey at Shepherd. I was on the adolescent team where I had was able to care for Archer. I was the only nurse to have a dog, a canine that went to work with me. And his name was Frosty. And he went to work with me every day that I was at work. And his role was very different than the role of therapy dogs that are with therapists. Um, the dogs that are with therapists stay with the therapist, whereas Frosty on the fourth floor with the adolescents was never on a leash. And he would, he knew exactly which rooms were mine, which rooms belonged to the children, children, young adolescents. And he would visit and he would stay hours and hours in the, the adolescent's room. And being with, whether it was with the adolescent themselves or their mom, Frosty took care of a lot of tears from a lot of moms and he was a blessing. So my whole journey through Shepherd uh, was remarkable. It was incredible. And it was all God because I could not have asked for a more perfect career in time at Shepherd. Very spoiled, if I might, if I might say. <laughs> It's it's just so powerful when we mm. do pay attention, even when it takes us off of our own very what we thought was a very determined course, because God only wants what is best for us. He and knew where I who. needed to be. Yeah, right. Where he, we will. He sing. knew where I needed to be. Mm-hmm. And being on the adolescent team was the most perfect fit for me. I'm thinking about something also in your nursing career Mm -hmm. that we have learned about spinal cord injury and nurses. While rehab might not get much of a thumbs up in nursing schools, Mm -hmm. spinal cord injury is, is not taught. No. Uh, Yeah. Can we talk about that? I mean, like, is it, was there a course you ever took in spinal cord injury? No, no. So no, there is, it is not taught in nursing school. Everything that I learned about spinal cord injury and the therapy that goes on at Shepherd happened at Shepherd. Shepherd, I found out, loves to take brand new nurses and mold them into the nurse that they want and that they need at Shepherd. And they molded me. They saw something in me they wanted me. I, I said yes. And then they began to mold me and what they needed. And I was like a sponge. I just 
I took everything in. I learned from the nurses who were there for years and years. They have classes and continuing education at Shepherd. And then you learn hands-on. And no, they do not teach spinal cord injury. And I don't know if you remember, when I work with the family members, I always told them that you have to learn everything that you can while you're here because nobody is going to know how to do any of this when you leave Shepherd. It is so very true. Very few nurses ever work with a vent patient, an open airway patient, or any spinal cord injury. I had a patient she lives in the same county that I do, and we became friends. And so the nurses at the local hospital, she had to go get a CT scan, and the nurses were like, why don't you just hop up on the bed? But she had very little use of her arms and no use of her legs, and everybody's saying, jump up on the bed out of her wheelchair. And she's like, how do you want me to do that? So In my education with family, it was very important for them to understand that you have to learn everything that you can while you're at Shepherd. That goes with nursing, PT, OT, speech, recreational therapy, and take it with you. People outside of Shepherd just do not know how to work with, help, or care for a spinal cord injury patient. It's just remarkable what you had just shared. And I want to underscore it. Two things that I've observed in these seven and a half years now that we've been living with our archer's injury about the Mm -hmm. brain. And no matter how intelligent uh, somebody on the, the, who's not injured is one of two things happens. It's just remarkable. And I, I understand I've been studying neuroscience and, and brain chunking as a, as a mediator for many, many years. But the brain captures so quickly uh, messages and images. We have to, otherwise we would mm-hmm. be dissecting how I say the word S. And then there's an right. A, if we were to put ourselves in slow motion, right? When we right. see things. So our brain, it's, it's wired to do that. And I think what happens mm-hmm. with folks when they're interfacing with someone has quadriplegia or tetraplegia is they, the brain first of all thinks that they are brain damaged or that Mm -hmm. they don't really speak or can't be cognitively together. And so they will tend to ignore them. Right. Talk, go talk to somebody else as if they don't have a a brain. They're sort of being talked about. Or when they realize that they can speak and think and they're full human being and that way they can't get it that the rest of the body just can't lift an arm, get on the table. And we experienced that in spades, even so much so that the, the nurses, they would, they just would leave and say, if you need us, call us. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Like, to use your call button. (laughs) Yeah, no, it, it is, it is a, really big problem leaving Shepherd, And it's so important that the family members pay attention and learn as much as they can. And I, I help open up or create a home health care. And our specialty is former Shepherd patients. There is such a need for knowledgeable home health care nurses and techs outside of Shepherd because Again, nobody really knows how to take care of these special people with spinal cord injury of any level. And then if you add a brain injury to it, or if they just have a brain injury, nobody really knows how to take care of them. And working at Shepherd, having a quality of life that is worth living is super important. That's what we teach our clients this, your life may not be the same, but we are going to get you somewhere. We're going to get you in a place where you can continue to grow and thrive and live. And bringing that outside of Shepherd and helping former Shepherd patients is huge because they just also it's, it's it's not (laughs) only huge, it's brilliant. And it is, 
absolutely filling a gap. It's so obvious. Yeah. There's yeah. a huge gap and I've seen it firsthand when, when we first started and coming behind some of the other home health care companies. It's incredibly sad, the gap of knowledge from Shepherd to the world, to the rest of the world outside of Shepherd. It's, we need, we need more people from Shepherd nursing staff and tech staffs outside helping former shepherd patients. It, it would just be such a natural trajectory as I'm really making the call to anyone listening to any, right. any nurse and, or any business person who would like to then gather some amazing nurses to really think about throughout the country, starting some home health care centers that focus just on spinal cord, because you probably wouldn't need that many clients to have no. a full plate of, of work. Right. Of you. And, and, you and that is correct. That is correct. You wouldn't need that many clients, but you would, you would have a handful of clients and then your staff and focusing on these clients and their families and per- helping them to live the best life possible. It's, it's such a need outside of Shepherd. It's such a huge need. You know, I will just anecdotally share with you that when we got back to Maryland, what happened from February until the next fall, not even maybe it was about three or four months, we went through 17 home health providers Oh wow! who were not willing to learn oh, wow. what we had learned and wanted to show them at Shepherd, were afraid to do yeah. what they had learned, what we had learned and were teaching them at Shepherd, who were not committed to someone who is spinal cord injured and a whole raft of people who came one time and never showed up again um, because it was just going to be too much. And, and then a whole other group of people who would say to Archer within the few hours of just even the very first time coming, you're so big, you're so heavy. You know, you're so long. This is too much. How long are you anyway? I can't do this. I need three people. And here's Archer in his first weeks and months home at six foot four, no capacity to help. Right. Because he doesn't have his body doesn't have the capacity. His brain would love to help you. Right. Right. (laughs) But he's severed at the spinal cord and just how so many people also couldn't get that. And then also how many doctors just can't, and it's not for lack of intelligence, but it's very hard. Again, I go back to neuroscience and how the brain looks at what is so familiar, which Mm -hmm. is a blessing. And also it's one of the reasons for our, all of our barriers in our lives. Right. Physicians too could not understand, you know, they would ask Arthur, what's your pain level? It's like you, that a quadriplegic doesn't really have a pain level. Ask them mm-hmm. about discomfort. Like what's uncomfortable? Like, well, I'm sweating profusely. My head is about to pop off. Just a whole different languaging in the medical profession, but also this notion of when I press here, tell me if this is hurt, if this hurts or if this, what and they, he can't Arthur feel it. No ability. Right. Yeah. And I, I yeah. say like his body feels it though. Right. Mm-hmm. If it's mm-hmm. if it's going to hurt him or if he's got an ingrown toenail or if he's yes. you know got a bed wound, God forbid that we have one of those again, but he he's going to register it in high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. going to be able to tell you. You're going to need right. to watch a monitor. <laughs> right. Right. Well, let me go get the pulse ox. But right. <laughs> you know. Exactly. Exactly. And not every again, very few people know what to look for and how to handle that. And we do need more nurses and techs out there that can help families once they're home for better transition and better living and better care. We do. And that's what Barron Home Group is doing. Again, this was a God thing because Mr. Barron called me and I didn't even know who he was. He had gotten my name from a doctor. And he called me and I said, well, how'd you get my name and number? I don't know you. And he, and he had told me the doctor and I said, oh, okay, well, 
if she knows you, then you must be okay. So whatever you want me to do, I don't know, but I'm on board and didn't know what I was doing by any means. Okay. But, um, it just, it has blossomed. It has grown. We have found our knack and our knack is former shepherd clients. And I, I love it. I love it. There's such a need. There's such a need for it. It also it reminds me of just how grateful we were and still are to the Shepherd Center and, and amidst some real difficulties and setbacks. And we can talk about those too, because that's just part of, I think, the territory. When it is. For families. Your lives are upside down. One of the things that I remember Shepherd teaching us, and I'm sure you echoed it, was that how every spinal cord injured person is like a snowflake. Yes. So unique. Yes. Not one injury can is the same as the next. That is so true. And when you, when a spinal cord injury nurse gets a new patient, you really have to look at that patient. You have to look not just at the diagnoses like a C2, C3, or T12, but you have to look at that, that person as an individual, as a whole, and how is this affecting this person? And each person is completely different. It's, you can't go from room to room and expect to see the same thing. If they have the same injury, it's not the same. It's not the same. No. That's something too, I think that you did so beautifully was to really know Archer and see Archer. And I'm just wondering, do you, do you see that there are tips or ways that other nurses or doctors or care providers could build in that ability to create personal rapport with their patient? For me, I think it's just, it was me. It's just who I am. But I think watching other nurses, they just need to slow down. Mm-hmm. slow down. And unfortunately with the home or with the healthcare now, nurses are so stretched. Um, but when you have a client who is so complex, you have to slow down. You have to listen. You have to look, you have to pay attention and moms know best. <laughs> I think that's why we, we so resonated. I think moms that's what you gave best. in. You're, you were going to tell me like moms know best. And I'm a mom and you're a mom. Mom <laughs> no best. I really felt that being heard and being yes. seen mm-hmm. as an important part of this care team. And I think that's something, Rebecca, that you did and your words of wisdom to slow down and also check in, ask, ask the family, ask the family. Yes. I mean, families really know best. They don't know the medicine, but they know their child. They know their child, child. a spouse who is very connected to their spouse. They know, they know, and, and nurses need to ask and trust my number one goal walking into the room the, for the very first time with you and Archer is I need you to trust me. Yeah. Yeah. I need you to trust me. So my first thing, my first goal walking into Archer's room was for you to trust me. Did you ask me, do you remember, or is that part of your, your thing or how did we establish that trust? Because you succeeded. I do what I say and I say what I do. And I'm going to talk to you and everything you say is important. And I'm going to tell you that I'm not going to hurt your son. I'm here to help you. And I build on that. I'm not going to do anything without you knowing. I'm not going to do anything that is going to hurt him. I'm going to tell you what I'm doing. Yes. Yes. And then if you disagree, I'm going to step back. And we're going to discuss it. That is part of a trauma-informed approach. To say, I will do nothing to hurt your loved one. I will listen to you. 
I'm going to tell you everything is the way that the central nervous system, if it can take in anything it's looking mm-hmm. for, is this a friend or a foe, friend or foe? It's, it's right. very primitive. Right. And to be able to begin to relax that and not just once, but a number of times in some ways, in the same way you were called a number of times, even to be doing the work at Shepherd, mm-hmm. to be able to offer that to families, any of a number of times until you can literally sense in a energetic way, nurse to family member that there's resonance. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, it, it's important for sure that building that trust immediately is priority because you're going to, we're going to be together a long time. (laughs) We're going to be together a long time. So building that trust is so important for healing and working together, learning, learning, because you have to be able to listen to the one that's talking to you and you're not going to listen if you don't trust us. Yeah, it's, it's very true. One of the things that families whom we've been working with now, other spinal cord injured families in the crisis have reported over and over again. And then the families whom I worked with before we actually started our nonprofit, which was almost the runway, like your runway, all those years at Mm -hmm. Shepherd and then realizing I had some similar years helping and, and just reaching out to other families. The word discharge is a really dirty word in the eyes of a family. It, it, it is. It's <sighs> discharge for me as a nurse, uh, working with the teenagers, the adolescents, um, was very difficult. Not only was it hard for me when the kids just kept coming and coming, but it was also very difficult when, when they left because I felt like I gave all of me yes. to each child, each mom. And when they left, they took a part of me with them and I missed them. When the kids discharged, it's, it's very, very hard. Yes. Because 99% of the, actually 100%, I, I don't see them afterwards. Yeah. I don't see them. Let's just pause on that just for a moment. It's so, it's so precious and important Yeah. because maybe we haven't really, fully appreciated how much a nurse puts in to her patients and how hard it is for the nurses when there's discharge and then to not know or have any connection after that Mm -hmm. or what happens to uh, people who you were in the foxhole with. And then also some amazing things happen with. (laughs) Yeah, I don't, I don't know what happens to the kids unless somebody tells me. I I suspect for, for some, it can be a a reprieve and like, can't wait. And I know my life awaits me, but in spinal cord injury, it's very fragile. Discharge Mm -hmm. is a very fragile time. It's very fragile. Up to six months after discharge, you have a lot of learning, a lot of adjusting. That's when problems are going to show up. I think that's the greatest time of risk for anyone listening in who wants to know how to support your friends who may be in this similar situation to really recognize how tender the time is and the reorganizing every single relationship, including your primary relationships Mm -hmm. with new requests, new boundaries, new depths, new, new separateness. Yeah. That then needs to be recognized and then to be knit back together. And hopefully it Mm -hmm. will be, but so, so many things are manifesting in that three to six months. Yeah. For me and for the other nurses that were on the adolescent team, getting into a schedule while you're at Shepherd, I would always talk to the moms and I probably talked to you as well about it is looking at your life. 
how are you going to fit archers or any adolescent schedule into your life? Where, where is the shower going to go? What is it going to be in the morning? Is it going to be in the evening? Every, every aspect of your life is going to change because now Archer has a schedule and the schedule needs to stay the same. You really, really took a great deal of care. I remember with telling me that what has been put in place needs to stay in place, beginning really with the bowel program, because right. bladder and bowel is yes. the name of the game for anyone who's had a severance or a bruising or whatever has happened to them with the spinal cord. Yes. And yes. so breathing bowel and bladder. And our yep. had all three going on and it's the most natural thing, right? We all have bowel and bladder, but to have that schedule, because that is something that needs to be scheduled and is scheduled. Unlike some, you know, like, Oh, you know, you sleep in or, Oh, you, you know, eat something that kind of doesn't agree with you or right. oh, dehydrated. You, you just have to steer wide and clear of any yes. of those kinds of things. Right. Yes. That, that is exactly right. If it, if what you eat bothers you before injury, after injury, it's going to be a hundred times worse. If Mexican doesn't agree with you before injury, you definitely don't want to do it after injury because cleanup is a whole lot different and it takes a lot of time and you don't want skin breakdown, um, which is why bowel is so important. You don't want skin breakdown, urinary, you are going to have urinary tract infections, but how do we lessen them? Taking care of the urinary bladder and and the bowel is super important in so many ways. Constipation for a spinal cord injury patient, horrible. (laughs) It's horrible for us. It's worse for a spinal cord injury. All of those things matter. All of those things have to be looked at every day. Yeah, it's one of the first things when a spinal cord injured person presents, you know, to a physician with any kind of issue, it's, is there blockage, right? That you're going to get a CAT scan pretty quickly to see where the blockage is, because that's probably 90% of the reason why there would be any kind of physical problem. Right. And autonomic dysreflexia. It's AD. Yep. AD, that, uh, that constipation, that blockage is a huge problem. A urinary tract infection that's not been treated that can cause AD. A wrinkle in the blue jeans or a wrinkle in the, in the pants can cause autonomic dysreflexia. A hangnail, you know, not being the feet, not being pedicured regularly. Yes. Yes. And that's very, very true. One time I had this young man and he had autonomic dysreflexia. He turns all kinds of reds, colors of reds, and his armband was pinching him. And once I fixed the armband, he was fine. Blood pressure fine. His, the redness went away. The blotchiness went away. It was, it was, the armband was pinching him. So it can be autonomic dysreflexia. It can be caused by anything. They may not feel it. They made the client, the person may not feel it, but the body's feeling it. Exactly. I remember a time when in one of the other facilities where Archer was prior to Shepard, the AD was off the chart and we had never heard of the, of Mm -hmm. the medical expression, autonomic dysreflexia, because the hospital didn't have that knowledge. All we knew is that Archer's blood pressure was, was going very, very high and they were wanting to treat it with blood pressure medication. Mm And so, and we don't know anything about spinal cord injury. We're, we're learning as we go, but we're still in an ICU and scanning and scanning and then, and then turning because they didn't even realize how often the body needed to be turned. But when we turned, one of the nurses had left the, it was a box, uh, a physical box in, in his, in his back that should have been up here on his shoulder having to do with, with that. No, um, and you know he had no idea of saying there's a four inch black metal plastic box in my back. Yeah, I mean it's just like crazy, but it was really quite profound for me to realize that I was angry about it, but that right. Arthur had no ability to tell us that there was something 
that large and that sharp in his back. His back. And lying yeah. on it, right, with all of his weight. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, so he, was, he was in pain and couldn't feel it. Yeah. yeah. In pain and couldn't feel it. Yeah. And, and so having, having, um, a loved one with a spinal cord injury observation, observation is so huge. It's such a big part of helping your loved one observation, shoes, clothing, bowel and bladder output, ingrown toenails, everything. Shirts. You, you taught me about how I remember it directly from you, Rebecca, to do a daily body scan or two times a day, especially of Archer's backside and of his ish because of bowel and bladder, like number one. So one of the things about spinal cord injured people are well cared for. They're, they're really well cared for. Their bodies are, you know, very beautiful and well cared for. Yes. But I tell you, if you don't keep your eyes on stem to stern and see a little tiny pink spot that can start, that's the beginning of of a pressure ulcer as we know. And right. And we're talking hours. We're talking hours before breakdown, not days, hours. And it is huge to lay eyes on the entire body of your loved one because it only takes hours. Yeah. It's a real act of love and service (laughs) to lay eyes on every part of your loved one. And I don't, I would imagine for, for many of us, I will put myself first. I don't have someone laying eyes on every single uh, inch of my body every single no. day. It's a very helpful, you know, an intimate and loving thing to do. You're absolutely right because normally no, nobody would look at every inch of our body. And again, going back to the trust and the love, and I'm going to take care of you. We have these amazing, beautiful bodies that have been given to us by the creator, right? And we need to care for them. And then also sort of transcending, not to turn our bodies into some utilitarian where how we take care of them is just transactional. And yet there is a quality where knowing that the skin, the body is, is beautiful and can respond to something that is caring Mm-hmm. while doing all these kinds of things. And to also know that you have to break through any of the sexual stigmas, the privacy stigmas, the modesty stigmas, and, and create a safe space with more than one person, right? Because a spinal cord injured person is going to need much more than one person. Because if that person's not around, it's not a good situation. Right. And I think that takes a great deal of willingness on both parts of the equation, the care. Absolutely. Of the spinal cord injured person. I, I agree totally. And Archer had me the entire time he was there. He had the same team, which creates that trust yes. that we're talking about when we unfortunately invade privacy in so many ways. The mom, you, the client, Archer trust us. You have the same people your entire stay. It is a model of, of care to have anywhere. And, and it, I wish it could be replicated in hospitals across the United States. And there are, are yeah. certainly logistical reasons why it, it would be very difficult for that. Right. To happen. It is a gold standard. It, it is. And, um, it, and it matters. It, it, matters matter. it matters with spinal cord injury, brain injury. It matters having the same people because we get very close. We get very close. And, and how else might you think that it matters? That, what does that closeness equal? That closeness equals um, better communication. It, uh, I believe it, it provides an environment of healing and I can do this and I can reach further than I ever thought I could because you have the same people that are invested in you. You don't have strangers coming in. Oh, hi, here's your meds. 
leaving. You have people that you know who like, let's turn on the radio. <laughs> it let's, is. let's turn on it the is. TV. Let's, let's model. get out. Let's keep doing this. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say it's the model of a relational approach rather than a mm-hmm. transactional approach where you're right. just, you know, to give the meds, check the blood pressure, turn the patient, whatever it, whatever is the medical protocol that needs to happen and then leave. You right. have really developed a relationship. I don't think I could do that. And I think God knew that that was not for me and which is why he placed me at Shepherd is um, I loved having the relationship with the family and the client, the patient. I'm there to take care of you. I'm there to love you and to make sure that you feel safe. Because if, if this were my child, I would want the nurse and the doctors to make my child feel safe. I had a tiny bit of experience with the hospital and being on the other side with my, my daughter. Um, She did not know it at the time, but was suffering from PTSD. She was 15 at the time and we were at children's at the children's hospital in Atlanta. And there were a lot of unknowns. Now I'm not saying it's anything like the spinal cord injury, but I had a tiny taste of the unknown and it was scary and, and I took that in and I started looking at my adolescence and seeing them and the parents as I'm sitting in the hospital room with my own daughter, not knowing exactly what's going on or what's going to happen. And I took it with me when I, when I came back to my adolescence at the at Shepherd Center and I wanted them to be safe and I, I wanted them to be okay and I'm here for you. I gotcha. It's, it's a very powerful part of the formula, I think, for healing in a medical environment when the team and members of the team have all had a brush with something yeah. that is frightening and, and traumatic to really, really right. know and appreciate. Exactly the nurses um, that I've known in their own personal lives, they've had some kind of trauma, maybe not like Archer's um, spinal cord injury, but some kind of trauma that made them stop. I noticed that in their work, in their nursing, they were extremely compassionate as well. Yeah. There is that. I know I've, I've been there, not an, I know your experience, but more right. I know what it is can be like right to live in uncertainty with such great loss. Mhm. And that's important. That's again you're providing that trust. Yes. Yes. When you have a child and there's a lot of hands on your child, you better be able to trust them. Indeed. Do you did you find that having moms with or dads with your patients was helpful or were there downsides? I, I cannot remember any downsides. I loved the moms. I loved them. I loved all you guys. Amazing. It was just, a, it was just really amazing from the time that the child came in and the parents, the connection, the caring is just, it was incredible to be a part of the recovery The parent has to know everything that the nurse knows, the tech, the PT, the OT, the speech. You need to know every up, every down, every sideways. You need to know everything that goes on with your child because now everything is different. A family in a crisis, a lot of them had other crises going on at the same time or they went from one crisis to another crisis. One family that was at Shepherd, both kids were in the car accident, one having a brain injury and one having a spinal cord injury. There's multiple 
it's really, I don't, and I don't know if this goes on with families outside of spinal cord injury and brain injury, but it just seems like the families were going through more than one thing. Thank you for saying that. I hadn't actually captured it in such an elegant way as that, but it almost goes with the territory because your life's turned upside down, whether you're living paycheck to paycheck or whether you are greatly resourced, you have a move potentially that you're staring at and you realize that after about 30 days or a major rehab that's going to cost some major dollars or you haven't been to work and you're a sole proprietor and then your company is going down the tubes or you're working for somebody else and they can only keep you on for so long on a medical leave act. And then it's sort of like, there's no more income coming in. There's a lot of trauma that accompanies. And then if they're siblings and then if they're siblings, who's taking care of the siblings, who's taking care of the family dog that's 10 years old. Right. That's right. There is so much going on with the parents. And I would, I would remind people, (laughs) staff, imagine if this was you, who would take care of your baby? Who would be bringing in money? Because you're a single mom, who would be bringing in money? I would remind my coworkers, what would you be doing? Because they're It's not just that you're at Shepherd and you're there to help your son or daughter get better, but you're a mom who probably has more children at home, who left a job, who left the family pet. Now your husband's in charge of working, getting the other kids ready, getting the dogs ready, the business, the bills. Who's going to mow the yard? Exactly. Who's going to mow the yard? And that... That may sound like a little thing, but I remember a lot of families were like, oh, I'm so glad my neighbor came over and mowed my yard. Exactly. They I brought in the know of one family who got cited for not having mowed the grass for so long because the neighbors were not as kind. And yeah. indeed, it is one of the like raison d'etre for why Blink of an Eye nonprofit exists. It's mm-hmm. to empower families to gather their circle of influence around right. them, their friends and family to feed the pets, to pick up the mail, to right. mow the grass, to take the children to school. Right. In our case, like who is making Dutch's lunch, right. I mean, just tiny little things. But I also remember very vividly for myself, I'm not the mother of one. I'm the mother of five. Yeah. And you have to, and and for you to be telling your nurses, imagine, and if you have just one other child, right? what this is like, because that other child doesn't have you for a long period of time. A long period of time. Imagine the young ages, right? Going to bed at night and not being tucked in, not being sung to, not being bathed you know, by, by your parent, by your mama or right. then older, right? Or your father. Yeah. Right. Or, and um, father, right. And dad, you know, one person managing all that, like a, like mm-hmm. a single mom who does manage, but for somebody else to step in who hasn't necessarily. Right. Right. Doing that. And so that takes a long time to ramp up. Not that it's, it's certainly capable, but it's hard. It's, it's hard. And it just adds, it adds to everything else that's going on. And so, um, teaching new nursing students, new grads, that this is, this is everything that you're going to be looking at. It's not just the parent. It's, it's not just the, the adolescent, the client, but it's also the parent. But what is that parent going through? What is that parent, what is that parent lost or has put on the back burner? Uh, we have to look at all of those things because your stay at Shepherd is very long. Not only are you inpatient, but then you'll probably go to outpatient. And then what if they want you to stay for the outpatient program? So it, it, it can be months and months and months that you're in rehab, some type of rehab with Shepherd. So many things can get in the way and we have to be very, very cautious. I know Um, One mom that I had, I saw her in the hallway and she was crying and um, I just, I hugged her and she needed that hug. 
she needed that touch and that everything is going to be okay. And I actually think I saw her in the hallway and they had already discharged that horrible word discharge. And um, it's so difficult and is difficult. And it is exciting to see that the adolescents grow up to become adults and they do great things and they graduate college. And Rebecca, thank yes. you for hugging that, that woman, <laughs> that mom and for following your instincts on that, your intuition. Yeah. 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 Sometimes we just need a hug. We, now. we do. Oh, I know. Yeah. No, but to, but to know, um, you know, when we really are following our, 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 at a very energetic resonance level, it's always the right thing when it mm-hmm. is motivated by that kind of love and the other right. person receives it as such. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. That's extraordinary. Well, thank you. Thank you. It is an honor to be reconnected to Rebecca after all these years and to reflect on all the young tetraplegic lives she has touched. We cannot always maintain those relationships with doctors, nurses, and techs in hospital settings who impact us, who really care for us, especially when time and distance later separates us. But when we do get a chance to reconnect with someone whose caring touch left a lasting imprint on us when we were in a time of crisis, it brings us full circle in gratitude. There are so many nurses who have no idea what happens to their patients, and so many patients who do not get the chance to thank their nurses years later. Maybe this podcast and this community of listeners is a way that today we create an energy field of gratitude for quality patient care by nurses who truly cared for us or for our children. After all, It is our care for each other which carries us through the hard times. And it is the memory of such care that provides a sweetness to this moment now. Spinal cord injured or not, we are relational beings who can live in gratitude. Thank you for listening. Please help us spread this healing resource far and wide. If you enjoyed today's episode, or if you are a nurse or have a nurse friend, please share. And share with your other friends, too, who might gain something. Please don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's free. You can also support the podcast financially by becoming a patron at Patreon. All those links are in the show notes for this episode. Thank you for listening. Together, we are raising the vibration for healing. Life can change in the blink of an eye. Life is so precious. Sending love. Hope for everything. Obtain everything. Love heals trauma. Thank you for tuning in to the Trauma Healing Learnings. You may tune in to the companion Blink of an Eye story at Season 3, Episode 25, Listen to the Patient, Self-Advocacy and the Caring Ethic in SCI Rehab. You've been listening to Blink of an Eye. We ask that you share this with anyone who may need inspiration, a lift, or who may relate. Never miss an episode. Subscribe to Blink of an Eye on our website, blinkofaneyepodcast.com, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
This episode is sponsored by Baltimore Mediation. Baltimore Mediation has served clients worldwide by facilitating negotiation breakthroughs, believing in their capacity for meaningful face-to-face dialogue. You can learn more at baltimoremediation.com.